Hey there, friend. I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers Podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. I am so excited to introduce you to Betsy Potash today. Betsy is an educator who has spent over a decade in high school English classrooms. Um, She's taught every kind of grade level, regular honors and IB, and she now channels her experience and love for education into making ways to make it easier and creative for you. She is the founder of the site Now Spark Creativity, as well as the Spark Creativity Teacher Podcast. She has so many incredible creative ideas on ways to uh, connect with students, and I'm really excited to introduce you to her today on the podcast. This interview is our very first interview on Spark Chasers for this season, and I am just thrilled to be able to bring you Betsy and all of her amazing ideas. So here we go. All right. Well, welcome, Betsy. I'm so glad you're here with us. It's wonderful to have you on the show. (laughs) I'm excited. Great. So let's get started with just a quick introduction of yourself. Like, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your website. Okay. Well, I am a Minnesota girl at heart. I grew up in Minnesota, and I always, always loved English. My two kind of main things as a kid were focusing in on English projects and playing tons of tennis, (laughs) and that (laughs) continued to be my narrative for a long time. I went to college, I did English, and I played tennis, and then I got an internship in education while I was in college, so I was assistant teaching in English classrooms and coaching tennis. (laughs) So um, when I graduated, it was funny because I just, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to be. And one day I sat down and I made a list of all the things I had done, all the jobs I had had, and every single one of them was in education. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm getting hit with a bat on this one. It's pretty clear. (laughs) And so I took a job as a teacher, a full-time teacher at a private school right out of college. And so I was just 22. I got confused with my students all the time. Um, Parents would be like, where's the teacher? (laughs) (laughs) I remember that fondly now. Yep. But anyway, (laughs) I, I knew what I loved as a student. I knew that I loved the projects, the mock trials, the essay writing competitions and the National History Day. Um, But because I was coming out of college and I hadn't um, exactly trained as a teacher, I had sort of trained practically through my internship and by reading a thousand and one teaching books. But I hadn't I I hadn't had the full sort of teaching led. And so I had to figure it out. I remember on my first day, I thought, you know, I'm supposed to go over the expectations. I'm supposed to show them my syllabus. I'm supposed to lecture. And so I did that. And there was this point about five minutes into my first day of my first class where I was like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened in my life. I have to do this all the rest of this period and then for another period and then for two more periods. This is horrible. They hate it. I hate it. 
but I couldn't change it. You know, I was already stuck. I was standing up there. They were all looking at me. I hadn't come up with anything interactive. And at the end of that day, I really thought like, I may have made a mistake. (laughs) I might not be able to be a teacher. And I cried and it was horrible. And then for the rest of my career, I never have taught like that again. You know, I, I just was like, that's not for me. What I love is to get students excited about things and then to help them with those things. And and every different unit that we're gonna have is gonna be like a different world for us. We're gonna dive into it from day one. We're gonna learn everything about poetry slam. We're gonna read poems. We're gonna have a poetry slam. We're gonna have a community poetry slam. And then it'll be the next unit and it'll be like all things Shakespeare and we'll be acting in class and we'll have costumes and we'll create programs and we'll invite guests and we'll perform on campus. And that just really became my MO. I couldn't really teach a unit without making it into an experience. And, um, and that has brought me so much joy. So to, to give you the transition, um, after about almost 10 years of doing that, I decided I wanted to start to help other teachers with that because there were times in my career where I had a lot of support and wonderful working with colleagues who were like, that looks easy. Like you're not really being rigorous enough and we don't think you're ticking the boxes and we don't like you. And I was like, oh, ouch, you know, I I really believe in what I'm doing. And so I have wanted to create a community of other teachers who who believe in that, and I want to help them believe in that. So now I have this lovely community online called Creative High School English on Facebook, where I get to collaborate with 16,000 teachers like that and share ideas with them and it brings me so much joy, and I have my podcast, the Spark Creativity Teacher Podcast, quite similar title to yours, and and I like to share ideas there. Um, so anyway, I just I love what I do. Wow. Well, and it comes through. So there's so much in that story, Betsy. I'd love to just kind of dig into a little bit of it. First of all, your authenticity shines through in what you share. I mean. Um, and how many of us, I think all of us have been in that situation where we don't we don't feel like what we're doing or what we're being asked to do is true to our authentic selves as educators. And so I love the fact that you were like this this method, whatever this is that I'm supposed to do is not working for me and my students, and that you just kind of stuck true to that, no matter what other educators were thinking because it really didn't matter. You knew what was was great for you and your students. Um, Share with me a little bit about, I know sometimes teachers worry, at least I hear this a lot from our audience, that um, they don't have time to insert the creativity or to do all the projects or to have people come in and demo and do all the amazing things that you were talking about. Um, because they have to meet standards. How did you, how were you able to reconcile that? I think I have an idea, (laughs) Um, but talk to us a little bit about how you were able to make that work and still get through your curriculum. Yeah, well, 
You know, we would always be reading whatever the books were that we were supposed to be reading, covering the poetry that we were meant to be covering. And we'd kind of, we'd have different days where we were doing different things. So maybe we did vocabulary on Fridays for a little bit, along with some independent reading. Or maybe we would be doing a grammar lesson on Tuesdays for 10 minutes, followed by play practice. And so we were able to mix and match quite a bit in that way. But my feeling is also that the standards are just so flexible. I mean, if you're trying to teach students how to speak well, there's no reason you can't be doing that with a TEDx conference or a poetry slam or, you know, a live radio show. And they just become so much more invested. And so my feeling is that the standards will cover themselves. <laughs> you know, you have to have kind of a sense of where you're going, of course, but then you can build projects around the lenses um, and get so much more buy-in from students. Yeah. And don't you find that you can you can address all those standards and go so much deeper when you're able to use projects like that than if you had to teach them directly and kind of in that stale lecture way? That's right. I mean, for me anyway, the moment that I start to lecture, whether it's to other teachers or students or my own children, it's <laughs> like I can see them disappear behind their eyes. You know, it's yeah. just they're not they're not going to take away from that. Whereas if I can create an activity around it that they care about, maybe that has a real live audience that they're going to share their work with. And all of a sudden they're like, what's the next step, Miss Potash? Like, what are we doing today? And it's it's really fun and I look forward to it and I think they do too. Yeah, absolutely. So now with that frame in mind, tell us a little bit about what creativity means to you. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, a lot of people use the metaphor of the box with creativity, right? Being stuck in the box, getting outside the box. I, I don't really think of it that way. I think in my eyes, creativity is like color. Without it, you can still do everything. You can still accomplish your tasks. You can check off your checklist, but it's just not going to be as as beautiful. It's not going to it's not going to make such an impression on you. You know, when you when you have all the colors to work from, you can create something so stunning. Um, instead of just being in black and white. And I feel like when you give students the opportunity to be creative. You just have no idea what they're going to do. It's it's breathtaking. You know, it's just mm -hmm. a delight to see what they create on the day to day. And they've so often not had that opportunity as much as I wish they would. And so they just they just kind of blossom with it um, and they realize that it's available. Yeah, well, I love that metaphor. I, I've not heard that before. I, I agree. Like a lot of people talk about being outside the box. I always say that creativity is like a fingerprint, that it's the it's you being able to communicate your spirit with the world. But I love the idea that you can color with so many different varieties of mediums and, and you know, shades. And um, I just I think that's a beautiful way to think about creativity. Um you know, and often we think that it's a soft skill, right? And I, I don't know about you, but that bothers me. I hate it yeah. when I hear people talk about creativity as a soft skill because I think it's, it's something that's imperative for our students. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I would certainly say it's been the foundation of my own career. And when I think of other people kind of in my generation who went school through school with me and the things they're doing now, you know, 
one peer of mine has his own perfume company and he runs a scented cocktail bar. <laughs> one, <laughs> one is running an independent farm and composting business that she created from scratch with like community integration of, of food for people who need food. Like, I just think that, that the holes in our society, like the, the jobs that we need our students to grow to take over and invent and create, like they are going to rely on their creativity. We don't, we don't need a bar to work the assembly line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because, you know, the world has changed from when right. you first started working this way in schools. So, um, so if we establish that creativity is really imperative and that it's something that is needed for the 21st century and beyond where our students are going, why do you think that some teachers struggle to embrace adding more creativity or, or mixing it into their curriculum? Yeah, I mean, I think it can feel very scary um, and it can feel like you're going to be judged if you do it in whatever you imagine might be the wrong way. I can remember my first year of teaching being out at night with some colleagues and one was really like a rigorous chemistry teacher. And she looked over at me and she was like, you know, I'm hearing that your class is a little easy. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) But like, my priority wasn't to make it the most difficult class I could, right? It was to get students to love reading and writing and speaking and be engaged in creative projects. And so, you know, if you feel judged by your team or if you feel like your administrator only cares about how high you raise the test scores, like taking that leap and doing it in a different way can feel scary, but you're not alone. (laughs) I mean, there's a huge community of other people who are trying it that way. And I mean, I hear success stories every single day, Mm. many times a day. And so I have that belief in my heart. And I think the more the more people who are feeling scared about it can talk to other people who have that belief in their heart, like the easier it becomes to be like, well, yeah, maybe I will try teaching it. You know, maybe we will do Shakespeare with a progressive performance around our campus and just see what happens you know maybe it'll be amazing and and you can always do experiments you can kind of dip your toes in and then pull back and and analyze and figure out how you can make it feel more comfortable for you or better for your students yeah absolutely I think you know one of the things that we see a lot with teachers who are starting their journey of arts integration in STEAM is that you know they try one little strategy, maybe it's a an artful thinking strategy of a way to, you know, use the exploring viewpoints to, to look at a photograph. And they see the impact that it has immediately on their students in terms of engagement, but also in terms of, you know, the the depth that they will start to think critically about things. And suddenly off and they're like, oh my gosh, I had such a great day. This was wonderful. It's I think it's a matter of whether or not you're willing to take the first step maybe and just breaking it apart into smaller steps and not looking at huge projects all the time, but just a way to get started, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the most popular strategies that I've been sharing about for the last few years is called the one pager. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is a way you could dip your toes in the creative pool, you know, for a three-day project where instead of having students write a paper, they create one beautiful page that has sort of a combination of imagery and quotations and ideas and sketches and bubble fonts and whatever they want to do. And it, it turns out to be this just 
stunning representation of whatever they've learned. And it, it, it works in every discipline. Um, and I, you know, I've probably given away 20,000 copies of my one pager templates at this point. And I just, just kind of on the daily hear back, can't believe how well this worked. <laughs> like, wait till you see what my students made. And I feel like that, that just opens the door. And then you realize, hey, you know, this is a visual generation. This is a creative generation. They want opportunities to try this kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, I have not heard of the one pager strategy before, but now I'm really, really curious. <laughs> um, so where can people find that from you? Because I, I know that our audience is going to love that. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, on my website, www.nowsparkcreativity.com, there's a big section called free creative resources. And I think the top one is the set of one pager templates. And what I've found is that some students are a little intimidated when they hear about the one pager and it helps them a lot to have a template. And so I've developed a whole bunch of different templates you can use that just sort of allow you to pinpoint, like put some visuals here with a quote or put, put some of your key ideas and some connections to the modern world here um, with an icon or whatever. And you, that, that's like the beginning. Those are like the baby steps. They can use the templates. They can get comfortable representing their ideas visually and verbally. And then from there, they can go on to the. So um, can they use that in any content area or is it specific for ELA or? Yeah, can you can it be use it for anything. I mean, you could be finishing a history unit and you just want students to sort of think back. What were the big ideas, the main concepts? You could do the same for science. You could you could be talking about art history. I, I can't think of any discipline, really, where, where you can create a one pager. In English, I know of about 20 specific ways <laughs> to use them. But <laughs> yeah, but also and I'm thinking and I'm just thinking out loud here, but I'm oftentimes um there's the artful think I use a lot of artful thinking strategies mm -hmm. with um, our audience because they are so accessible. And uh, one of them is called beginning, middle, end. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but essentially it's if you looked at a piece of, of artwork and um, you considered it, what what was what's happening here? If this is the beginning of the story of whatever this piece of artwork is showing, what would this be if it was the middle of the story and this is what you're seeing? Or what would this be if it was at the end and have students think about it in three kind of separate ways? Um, I could totally see the one pager that you're describing being a way for students to encapsulate that thinking, um, both in imagery or in music or in science class or in any other way. So kind of pairing those strategies together to be something really, really powerful for them. Oh, what a great cool. idea. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that idea. Um, so as you know, you know, at the time that we're recording this in November of 2020, we're in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> um, how are you um, kind of seeing creativity play out in classrooms that are maybe virtual or a hybrid environment that maybe isn't the traditional way where we're in class and we're able to put on a play or we're able to invite people into our classrooms to kind of guide us in some of those things? What are some some ways that you've seen creativity evolve as we've been in this this new environment of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I hate coronavirus as much as the next person, <laughs> but I do feel like it gives um, the possibility of changing it up. And if you can, you know, in the midst of the craziness, 
you can know that you don't need to cover quite the same material, that you are allowed to make changes because you're online, um, you're teaching in a different way. The potential to do wonderful creative projects is there. And and I hate that it's so complicated for teachers trying to figure out the multiple scenarios, trying to grade it all, keep up with the communication. I mean, it's really stressful and I don't want to um, gloss over that at all. But with the teachers that I'm working with all the time, I feel like now is the time to have students script and record a podcast, you know, and put that out there to the world or to embark on these big genius hour projects Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, maybe they want to work on starting social media movements or (laughs) organize a virtual TEDx conference. Like now is the time when, when you can kind of launch into those independent, um, you know, maybe hyperdoc driven units because you want to have students working independently quite a lot. The synchronous um, sitting on the computer together for hours is really hard. And so if you can be doing check-ins and then holding office hours open while students are working off of like a hyperdoc driven unit or a playlist, whatever you want to call it. And they're kind of going through the creative steps on their own and then checking in with you along the way. I feel like that is much easier, especially if you have kids in class and kids out of class at the same time and then trying to bring them all in synchronously and like have a discussion with everybody having their video off. You know, it's it's just, it's hard work um, and it's it's not great. So Um, I feel like if there was ever a time to just be like, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and have my students design websites or, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, um, I'm going to have my students um, create museum projects or whatever your whatever's been on the back of your mind that you wish you had the time to do and the space to do, like maybe just set everything else aside for a little while and try it. Yeah. And I think. To your point, there's so many there's so many ways that we can embed what we would teach anyway into a project that students can do independently or in small groups if they can kind of manage that with themselves, depending on their their age level. Um, But I think, you know, certainly we all saw the shift to completely online in the spring and that that was an emergency effort. And so hopefully teachers have at least been given some autonomy to be able to kind of restructure how they're teaching if they have to teach online to give some of that flexibility because you're right like being online for those amount of times doing synchronous learning it's just not effective and um so I think that becomes maybe the direct instruction time of how to do something and then you give the project to the students and that allows them to blossom you know um so wonderful. So beyond let beyond coronavirus, um, <laughs> we kind of set that into its own little corner. <laughs> um, what do you find is most challenging about teaching right now, and how can creativity be a lever for change? Well, I mean, in in my mind, what seems to be the hardest right now is the kind of disillusionment and burnout and just kind of pain that the teaching profession is going through. I think Mm -hmm. 
you know, for many years, this has been the case. Spring really amplified it when everybody was, you know, working 20 hours a day. And then there was this sort of backlash over the summer when teachers were concerned about their health to be going back to school. And then they felt really ganged up on by the by the media um, and, you know, many parents in their communities. It's just really hard to feel like you're giving everything um, and people are not appreciating it or judging you um, when here you've kind of sacrificed so much of your personal needs to be there for students. And so, you know, I recently interviewed Doris Santoro about her book, Demoralized, and I thought it was so interesting. She drew this distinction between burnout and disillusionment. And she said, like, it's not just that teachers don't need more candles, <laughs> you know, they don't need more gratitude journals. They're upset because um, they know what's best for students and they know where they should be putting their time and they're not being given the opportunity. And sometimes they're, they're, their systems are actively working against them when they want to do what is best for students. And so, you know, it's it's hard, but I think choosing ways to be creative in the way that you want to and then showcasing that to your administration, to your colleagues, to your parents, to your local newspaper, like teachers have to do their own PR right now. And as difficult as that is, I think it's really worthwhile because the moment you say, like, look, look what my students are doing newspaper photographers do you want to come like let's let's make a positive narrative here about our poetry slam or about about our um, community reading festival or whatever and and you know invite your administrators into those great days ask if you can have a professional development day for your department and and present on the good things that you're doing um, and get your colleagues to do the same I feel like there are these little steps that we can take from within the profession um, to change the narrative and to kind of gain the respect for creative choices that creative choices deserve. And my experience has been that that it works. I mean, I, I have frequently invited administrators into my classroom to be judges in competitions or to be guest speakers about their favorite books. Um, you know, I like to work with with the community, to work with parents, to create professional development experiences right where I am and not just like at the state or national level. And it allows you to sort of build up a community around you of your colleagues, your administrators, your families in the community um, who believe in what you're doing. And, and that feeling makes a huge difference. I mean, who doesn't like to be appreciated for what they do and, and to be known for what they do. I think it really, it really helps. And it's too bad it's not automatic. It should be automatic. But um, since it's not, I think it's, it's not as hard as it seems to start to change that narrative. And it's really very rewarding. I couldn't agree more. I've had that same experience. And I think there's something powerful about a grassroots effort in your own building. I think you can affect so much change within your own school and your community. You don't have to go very far and word spreads really quickly. And so I would agree. I think that is a powerful agent of change and a way to empower us to be able to make creativity, not just something superfluous, but that's out there and embedded into everything that we do. 
Well, Betsy, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that I could just get to know you a little bit better and hear more about what your philosophy is around creativity. Can you let everybody know where we can find you both in social media and online so that we can stay in touch? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, I'm on Instagram at now spark creativity and on Facebook. My main platform is my Facebook group. It's just a lovely place to hang out. It's called creative high school English. My website is www.nowsparkcreativity.com. And then there's my podcast, <laughs> the spark creativity teacher podcast. You are such a busy lady. So I really appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. Well, check that off your list, my friends. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash Spark Chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show, and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon. 